couple of things I just want to give you a reminder of before we jump into the scriptures today. Life groups today, uh, if you're a guest with us, I'm sure someone will, will uh, mention the life groups uh, to you. They're groups that meet in homes, sometimes throughout the day, usually meet in homes. Some of them will come and meet back here at the building. Um, but what we do is we spend some time talking about the lesson that, that I'm going to present here and what does this mean for me and how should this change me. And it's a great time to be able to go the distance and go deeper with God's Word and and him working on, on changing our lives. And so those are happening today. They're a great opportunity for continued spiritual growth. And also, I know Dan mentioned here a minute ago, I want to put a plug for the, the lectureship for Montana this week. There's a, the theme is, is focusing on young families. It's in Lewistown this next weekend. There's information in the back. If you need a ride, you can talk with Dan or Harold. They're headed up there as well. And uh, those are uh, some great opportunities for continued spiritual growth that I just wanted to plug here as well. All right, we've been talking about uh, the community of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to spend the next few weeks continuing to flesh this out. What does that mean for us being the community of the Holy Spirit? We talked about how uh, the fruit of the Spirit and the acts of the sinful nature, that's part of how we're supposed to be transformed, is leave those acts of the sinful nature behind and be filled with the Spirit, and we start producing things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that's what we become. And, and as we become filled with the Spirit, we produce that type of fruit, and that's what, how we interact with each other, and that's what we look like to the rest of the world. And it is so totally different than everything else that is out there. And, and God uses us when we live by the Spirit to do pretty amazing stuff and to make uh, uh, pretty amazing changes in eternity. Now, what we're going to look at today is something that I believe that it is more foundational maybe than anything else that, that I will ever speak from, from up here. Okay, there was years ago, uh, I saw a guy uh, teach named Ben Zikafus. How many of you know who he is? Are you familiar with him? Yeah, it's, he's a really interesting guy. Um, but he was uh, taught at ACU for years, and he was a, a gymnast. And what he would do is he would do these, uh, it was like a, he would do different uh, gymnastic stuff and show and, and use them as examples uh, or, or object lessons to talk about spirituality. And really pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing guy, deeply, deeply spiritual guy. And one of the things I remember is I was a little kid watching him, him speak once. As he said, I'm going to share something with you that is vitally important, maybe the most important thing for you to understand spiritually. And whenever I share this, it's amazing, is there is always some distraction that comes up, and there's always some, something that, uh, that, that comes into the, to our, our situation that causes uh, people to miss what I say right now and understand what I'm going to say is vital to your spiritual growth. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to clap twice before I say it so I make sure that I got everybody's attention. And he clapped twice. And I remember that lead up, and he said something like, if you don't put God number one in your life, it's never going to work. It's something like that that is very vital and something maybe we hear all the time. But we, uh, we don't, it's easy for us to, oh, I've heard that before, okay, I need to do that. And, and we don't really make big changes in our life. So I'm going to talk about this morning is, is like this. Okay? This, what we talk about, is probably not going to be rocket science or completely new to anyone here. But if we don't get this, we're not going to get anything else right. Okay, ready? Here we go. All right, we'll give it a shot. We're going to go way back uh, 
in history a bit to start with is that when we go back to the community of Israel and God led them out of the um, out of Egypt, part of the Red Sea, fed them manna in the desert. God had a plan for them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, he states the, the Ten Commandments and talks about how important that was to life in the community of Israel. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, let's go ahead and turn there and read this. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We've talked about this before. That's the Shema there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And so this was God's plan, is the, the Ten Commandments and leading up here, He wanted the people to know God's Word. He wanted to tell them to their children. He wanted them to write these commandments everywhere so that they would not forget, that they would see them in front of them all the time. That was the plan. That was what was supposed to happen. And because of that, if they knew the words of God, then they would obey and they would follow. And if you look at Leviticus 26, we won't go there today, but what you see is God telling the Israelites, you got a choice. If you listen to my words and you obey my words, and you put them into practice, then the blessings that are going to come on you are going to be beyond what you can ever imagine. But on the other side, if you don't listen to my words, and you forget my words, then there's going to be all sorts of curses that are going to come upon you. And it's going to, be hurt. It's going to hurt. And so remember my words and do what I tell you to. That's, that's his message there. So that's the plan. The problem comes is that the Israelites go through times where they forget the Word of God. They miss it completely. In fact, they even lose it at one point in time. Uh, you read in, in 2 Kings chapter 22, they've, they've straight up lost the message of God, the Old Testament. They don't know where it's at. They haven't read it. They haven't heard it for years. And they're, they're going through a, a cleaning of the temple. And just imagine the terrible stuff that's in the temple. They don't know God's Word. All sorts of pagan, idolatrous stuff's in the temple. And they're cleaning it out, and someone brings it out to Josiah the king and says, Hey, look, here is this... Scroll, this is the book of the law. This is what we're supposed to be following. And they read it, and the king weeps. And Israel weeps because they realized that what they were doing didn't have anything to do with what God, God's plan was for them. And, and you go along in, in these years. This uh, Hosea speaks words, not in this time. But what he, what he says is, as God is, he's, God is speaking through him, he says, My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. In other words, the people had gotten to a point where they had forgotten the words of God, they didn't understand the words of God, and they were destroyed because they put themselves in situations that, that led them far away from God, and destruction always follows when we, when we go down that road. But there was a plan for the future, for the community of Israel. And um, I read this here uh, almost a year ago, uh, this scripture here from Jeremiah 31. And let's go ahead and look at it. We won't read all of it. But Jeremiah 31, go ahead and turn there. It's talking about the Spirit of the Lord and the, the, this community of the Spirit that is coming. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God 
and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. So Jeremiah is talking about a time when it's not going to be like Israel, where you've got these, these political boundaries, where you've got the physical temple that you can touch, all that, and they lose God's word and miss out on it. But he's going to say, My people are going to be people that know me, a spiritual kingdom led by the Holy Spirit where you don't have to go to your neighbor and say, hey, do you know who, who God is? Because people are going to know God because all of us who are part of God's kingdom know the heart of God. Hey, as you look in, there's going to be a time someday that's going to look like this. Okay? So as we've talked about here this last year, we spent time going through the book of Mark and, and Jesus and his ministry, and we see what happens afterwards is that he says, Wait in Jerusalem because amazing things are going to happen. Holy Spirit comes and there is, uh, the apostles are speaking all these different languages. There's people that are hearing. There's people that give their lives to God. There's people that are baptized that day. And when we look in, in Acts chapter 2, we see what the new community of the Spirit is supposed to look like. Acts chapter 2, and we spent some time in this, and we're going to take some more time in the next weeks to flesh some of this out. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, this is what happens. Here's the community of the Spirit. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so what we're going to look at today is there is several, if we can say it this way, how many, of you, do we have, how many carpenters do we have here? Okay, carpenters and amateur carpenters as well. All right, yeah, we've got, yeah, we've got a lot of amateur carpenters here, all right? And so if, if we build a table, we want the table to have enough legs to not tip over, don't we? That's typically what happens, okay? I've built a few bed frames and a few things like that. I'm... Um, just don't look too closely at the stuff that I do, okay? I'm not extremely skilled like many are. But I do know that a table, you typically want enough legs so that it does not fall over. And what we see here in these verses is, is the, the community of the Spirit or the church, what they do is they devote themselves day in, day out to several different things that are like these legs of the table that helps make sure that the table stands up and it doesn't fall over. And what we're going to look at today is that these people devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now, apostles, as we understand, were, were gifted by God. Were, as Jesus told them, I'm going to reveal all, all Scripture to you. And really what we have, the apostles' teachings now for us is the New Testament. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a bit as well. But they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and they... They Day in, day out, they wanted to hear the message of God because by hearing the message of God, they learned the heart of God and they learned what they were supposed to be like because they knew the history of Israel. They knew that when we don't understand who God is and what he wants for us, then we cease to become the people of God. We start looking like something totally different. There's an example of this. As I was thinking about it, how do you put that into words, being devoted to the apostles' teachings? There's an example in Acts chapter 17. And this is what you'll focus on in your, your life group lesson today. But go ahead and turn to Acts 17. There is a, 
there's places today that are called the Berean Academy. You see this name being used all over uh, with, with Christian type of organizations. And this is why. Look at verse 10. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul away, Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. And so imagine what these people must have looked like. As Paul is going from place to place and getting persecuted and people chasing him around, and he comes to this, he's just gotten run out of Thessalonica. And he comes to this little town named Berea, not a town of any great significance as far as the world goes or as far as the Roman Empire goes. But he goes into this Jewish synagogue and he sits down and he starts sharing the message of God. And you remember, think how you would feel if you had just gotten beat up and thumped up. We tend to be pretty gun shy. And I'm not sure if I want to speak. You know, I'm not sure what I want to say at this time. And he comes into this synagogue with these people there. He says, I have a message I want to share with you. And he starts going through and sharing the message of Christ. And the response of these people is so different than what he has experienced in, in his very, very recent history. And these people are saying, wait a minute, are you saying that this Messiah, this king that we've been waiting for, that he's come? Tell us more about that. Let's pull out the scrolls. Let's look at this. We want to hear what you have to say. But we're excited because that's what we're waiting for. And maybe you are a messenger of God. We don't know. But we're going to make sure that we're going to check what you say with Scripture. And we, we want to know. And, and we're open to this. We're open to this possibility. And you see what happens is there's many become believers because of this heart that they have. And what a great example is they have their scriptures open, these scrolls laid out because they want to hear the message of God. And if anybody, I would think, if anybody could have, uh, if, if there was anybody that you didn't have to check what he said, it would have been Paul, you know, I think. But these people, it didn't matter who was coming or what type of credentials they had when they came, these people wanted to know the message of God. And they demonstrate this being devoted to the apostles' teachings day in, day out. There's a, a description of this in Psalm 119. And we, um, we read this on, on Wednesday night. We go ahead and turn there, Psalm 119. Here's a description of someone that is, uh, that's talking about their desire to, to be in touch with God's Word. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. And, and listen to this. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees and I will not neglect your word. Boy, you see, you feel the, that's something the, the Psalms are really good at, is helping us feel something. And you, you can feel the person who is writing this saying, I love God's Word and I want to know it and I want to internalize it, I want to get it in me, because I know by doing so that's going to change my life. And it's going to lead me into a path and, that's good and keep me 
out of the bad stuff. And so I've made this choice that I'm going to really love the Word of God. And that's what we see in the community of the Spirit in the New Testament, is people, examples and descriptions of people that love God's Word, love the apostles' teachings, and are going to go head first into it to understand what God wants for them. There is, a, as we see in the community of the Holy Spirit here, they develop themselves the apostles' teachings, and here's some descriptions that I saw when I was looking at this as far as, as what this means. First of all, devoting ourselves to apostles' teachings means, as we read in Psalm 119, it means to, to, really, to really love it. And I remember um, when, um, and, and I think many of, this, many of us have, have experienced this, if, um, and, it, and if you're not on this part of the, the journey in, in life, uh, you, you may at some point in time. But I remember when Sylvia and I first met, um, I don't know, when, if you ask Sylvia and I, was it love at first sight? It, not, no, we, you know, we didn't see ourselves together at all to start with. But it was, uh, I remember when, when Sylvia and I first started making commitments to, maybe, hey, maybe this is going to work. Uh, maybe, maybe neither one of us will blow this up and mess up this thing. <laughs> we might, you know, this might work. You know, we might actually end up together. We'll see how this, how this goes. Um, and I remember my desire to, to really want to make Sylvia happy and go out of my way in order to make that and, and figure out what it was that, that she liked. Did she like flowers? Did she like me to cook her pancakes? You know, what types of things did, did she like? Um, and, and pancakes worked, by the way. Okay, pancakes worked. Um, but you know, I know that as, as we go along in life, you know, sometimes, we've been married 15 years now, sometimes our love is expressed in different ways because we've been through some obstacles in life that have been difficult at times. But I know as, as people that have been married a whole lot longer than us have told us, keep it real and keep pursuing each other because this is, that's how you, you stay married for a long, long time. And as I've, I've thought about that is I've realized that at times our love demonstrates itself in some different ways as we go through life and as as people that have been married a whole lot longer than us. I learn things from my folks. I learn things from my in-laws who are here from Italy right now. And they've been married a lot longer than Sylvia and I have. And they still love each other after all of those years. And, and that's a great example. And so oftentimes when we come to Christ, we have this desire initially, oh man, I've got to figure out what's in God's Word. This is so exciting. This is so different from what I'm, I'm used to. And it really gets a hold of us somewhere. And the people that, that really have transformed lives for years after years after years somehow figure out ways to say, I am going to continue to demonstrate that love towards God's Word even if I don't feel like it. And I'm going to be committed to God's Word because I know that's the thing that's really going to change me and really going to make me different. And it's amazing. It's always neat to me to see the Bibles of people that have been Christians a long time that the edges are worn out. Some people are note-takers in Bibles, some people aren't, but you see, you just look and you can see that this Bible has had a whole lot of use to it. And it's beautiful to see that because what they've demonstrated is through thick and thin, through comfortable times, through difficult times, no matter what, I have continued to be one who loves God's Word and I've pursued it and I've chosen to make it a priority in my life. And so being a part of the community of the Spirit means that we love God's Word, that we pursue it, uh, it is something that uh, that we 
Uh, we, it, it doesn't just happen naturally or, or without work, um, knowing the heart of God and, and, uh, fall, and getting into his word, but it takes effort on our part. There was a, a person that had an advanced college degree once that told me, and, and it's very true, I believe it's very, very true, he said, college degrees have very little to do with intelligence and have everything to do with perseverance. And I found that is absolutely the case. It is just saying, okay, you know, there, there's people I went to school with that, that were extremely intelligent. There was one guy, I remember, he had a 30 on his ACT, which is really very good, and then he didn't go to class and he flunked out of school. Okay, It didn't work out very well. But... Education has a whole lot to do with perseverance and saying, I'm just going to pursue this because this is what I want to accomplish this degree at the end. Uh, being, becoming good at sports is the same type of thing. You know, if you're watching the, watch, how many of you watched some of the Final Four yesterday? Quite a few. We've got the, the finals tomorrow night. You look at all those, those young guys out there that are playing. Uh, they weren't the ones that, uh, they were ones that demonstrated discipline in their life at different times to be able to have the skills to be able to accomplish and be in the place that they are right now. And so if we set a goal for ourselves and say, I want to be a person of God and I want to be transformed, what it means is that day in, day out, I decide that I'm going to make the Word of God a priority in my life. I'm going to read it, I'm going to pursue it, and I'm going to understand it because that means that I will start to have the heart of God when I pursue that. And then also... Not only loving it and pursuing it, but decide to live it. There's people that have doctorate degrees in New Testament and Old Testament that don't believe in God. There's people that spend time in Scripture and, and approach Scripture. And I think all of us have done this to some extent. You say, I want to believe X, Y, or Z, or I want to think X, Y, or Z, so I'm going to go into Scripture and I'm going to find that passage that proves that, and we go from there. Okay, if we do that all the time, ultimately what Scripture is, becomes to us is something that we use to point at everybody else. Whereas if we approach Scripture with the purpose of saying, I want Scripture to, I want to see what God has to say for me, and I'm going to pursue that, and I, because I want to live it. I'm going to, to get into God's Word not only for information, but for transformation, because I know that I need to be transformed, and I need to look more like God every day. And what happens when we read Scripture that way it gets into our hearts, it gets into all, and it changes us. And, and we start to, again, look more and more like the heart of God every day. Okay, so devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. I love this. You know, that's a, that's a, a great picture there, is we can, uh, we can live that way at times. I want God's words right there. Come on, let's talk. And uh, it, it collects dust. But we have a wonderful opportunity that has been placed at our feet in the generation that we live in. There is, um, um, and I, I shared this on, on Wednesday night, because on Wednesday night we've been going through, I uh, started last week and we're going to continue this week, how we got the Bible. How do we, got the, how do we get the Bible? How do we know it's God's Word? And how do we read it and, and study it so that we can be transformed by it? But we live in a time that's amazing. Um, and I'll illustrate this by uh, sharing a, a museum exhibit that I got to visit, uh, not the last time we were in Italy, but the time before that. We got off the plane, and later in the day, we took a nap, and later in the day went to the last day of this, uh, this showing, of this, uh, this exhibit, I guess, at the Vatican Museum there in Rome. And it was an exhibit on how we got the Bible. And you walk in, the first thing you saw is there was some 
examples, or not examples, there were some pieces of some Dead Sea Scrolls. And the Dead Sea Scrolls predate Jesus by a hundred years at least. And so they were around before Jesus ever walked the earth, and there's little pieces of them there. And I look, you look at them and you think, man, what an amazing, amazing little piece of, of Scripture that's there to, to be able to look at. As you went through, there's these old, old manuscripts and old parchments and pieces of papyrus of, of old scriptures. And you realize, man, to looking at what it took to understand or hear the word of God, people had to write it down by hand and roll it up in a scroll. And if you look at like the book of Luke or the book of Acts, that is about the largest that you can put on a scroll. Hey, that's why a lot of those, the New Testament books and books in Scripture are a certain length, because that's what you can put in a scroll. And so you look at, at what you would have taken to, to make these scrolls, and, uh, and they would you know, lay them out, and you had to come together. Most people, very, very few people could afford a scroll, because it was so expensive. And so if you were living in that time, maybe between all of us, there might be one or two scrolls of Scripture, maybe less, and the only way that you heard it is when you came together and someone who could read was able to lay it out for you so that you could, you could hear it. And that's a, probably about all you ever heard. And so you would have to remember that and keep that in your mind as you, as you went out into your, your life because there wasn't a place where you could accept just a few pieces or a few scriptures here and there that could be written in your house, something like that. It's just way too expensive and prohibitive. In the second century after Jesus, it's amazing, Christians were on the cutting edge of technology. They're the first ones to use the book type, the codex, that's what they call it, instead of the scrolls. And the Christians pioneered that because they wanted the message of God to get out there. And you see, that's kind of how things go along for, for many years after that, is a few people have scriptures that they read to everybody else, and everybody else listens and, and tries to apply from there. And I remember going through this museum I got to a place where Guten, there was a replica of Gutenberg's press. And that is the press that Martin Luther printed the German Bible on, German translation of the Bible, the first book that was ever printed on a printing press in the late 1400s. And I didn't expect to get emotional looking at something like that, but I did. It was amazing. I walked in and I thought, that's it. You know, that's a replica of this printing press that that changed the world. And what happened is more and more people started being able to get God's word. But it was still so cost prohibitive at that time that people couldn't, uh, couldn't just go out and buy one. Average ordinary people like you and I couldn't do that. But as you go along, I went along this museum, it got to a point where there was, there was a version of the King James Bible from the 1600s that was there. And again, I looked at that and I thought, whoa, wait a minute. Now this is my language. This is where it starts in ways that I can hear. And it's as they say, and the missionaries will talk about this, is that if you want to do, mu- do business, you can speak English. If you want to touch people's hearts, you have to speak their language. And, and that is, is very true. And so getting the Bible in our own language, looking at one of these early copies of the Bible translated into English, you know, there I went again, oh, man, this is amazing. This is, and the kid's like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm just looking at this Bible. This is amazing because this is where we see God's Word translated into our language. But it isn't until in the 1800s that technology advanced to a point that the average person could buy a Bible and have it in their homes. Not until thinking that, the 1800s in this country. So think about that. Since Jesus came 2,000 years ago, the average person has had a Bible in their home, in their hands, only about the last 200 or so years. 
Boy, we live in an amazing time, don't we? 1900s come around, and there's all sorts of advances to technology where we could listen to on tapes. How many of you know what tapes are? Okay, yeah, a few of us know what tapes are. You know what tapes are, do you, Kelton? Yeah, not probably not. They're, they're in museums. You can see them in museums. And in my truck. My truck's old enough to have a tape deck. You, know, you don't see them much anymore. But tapes that you could listen to. Actually, when you're driving or you're at home, you could listen to Scripture like that. And you get into the, the 21st century now, the 2000s, is we have them. How many of you have an app on your phone that you can just look at Scripture right now? There's a magazine that I get, and I shared this with the crew on, on Wednesday night, that, that there's a, it's uh, called The Voice of the Martyrs. It's an interesting read because it talks about some of the persecution that's happening around the world uh, towards Christians and what ways that, that people are still getting the message of God out there. And there was a story about a, a girl that, and I don't remember which country she was in. It was a country that, is, that is, uh, uh, follows Islamic law. And what she does is, is they've worked out for her to have a device, some sort of a router, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but she goes into coffee shops or tea shops and carries this device in her purse and sits down. And what it does is whenever people come in to this shop, pull out their phones and try to um, find free Wi-Fi, what happens is this Wi-Fi booster, router, whatever it is, pops up and says, free Wi-Fi, would you like to download a free copy of the New Testament? And people do. And then she goes somewhere else and she makes her way around. <laughs> you know, what courage. But all of that to say is we live, we live in a time that is pretty amazing because we have all of this opportunity to see God's Word, to understand God's Word, to listen to God's Word as no people in history ever have. But we have a curse with this technology, has come all sorts of distractions that keep us from doing that. Now, there was a, a, a secular college professor that made the comment here, and this is 10 years ago he made this comment. He said, non-Christian kids knew the Bible better 25 years ago than Christian kids do now. And that is our society because our society is so distracted by all the other entertainment, all the other stuff that we've got, that it's so easy for us just to think, oh man, there's all this other stuff, I don't have time. Or I've got all these other things, all these other uh, burdens that are happening, uh, other stuff I'm going to chase. And so somewhere on the line, we wake up a few years later and think, man, I haven't even looked at God's Word, and I haven't moved anywhere spiritually, and I've not changed spiritually. So I think that's a pretty good wake-up call for all of us, is that we have more opportunity to understand and to look at God's Word maybe than anybody else in history. And so the question for us is, uh, as we devote ourselves to the Apostles' teachings, and something I want to commit myself to, and I pray that all of us, as individuals and as families and as a community of Christ, as a church, that we commit ourselves to this as well, is that I'm going to be one that devotes myself to loving God's Word, pursuing God's Word, to living God's Word, and I'm going to do that daily because I want to be in God's Word every day. If I need, if I need physical food every day, then I probably, more than that, need spiritual food every day to keep myself being what I need to be. And I know that I've, I've been in places in life where I've gone some time without really getting into Scripture and really letting it change me because I've just, oh, I'm busy, I've got this and that going on. And I do not like the person that I become very quickly when I do not have God's Word 
in front of me every day. I change, and it's not for the good. And so for all of us, this is a... Here's, here's some... We'll get into some practical stuff here, and I'll finish up. Is This is a commitment that I ask... I hope all of us make, is that I am going to make getting into God's Word and devoting myself to the apostles' teachings like the community of the Spirit did in the New Testament every day and understand that more and more because that will change me. As Lance read in Romans 10 and 17, faith comes from hearing the message of God, and that, that's what changes us. Faith comes from hearing God's Word uh, day in, day out. If you don't know where to start, if you don't have a plan that you've, uh, that you've been reading through, remember is that if we don't have a plan for how we're going to approach God's word and pursue it, if we aim at nothing, we're sure going to hit it. And that's a phrase that I think definitely applies in this. If we aim at nothing, we're, we're going to hit exactly that, nothing. And so if you don't have a plan, start. I recommend start in the book of Luke and just go from there and start reading and go through the, the rest of the New Testament. And, and when you sit down and approach God's word, say, what... What do I need to take from this? What am I learning from this to change me and to transform me? There is a, another a useful, useful resource called the Daily Bible. Effligard Smith, he's actually an attorney, and I think he teaches at, was at Lipscomb or Faulkner University now. But his dad, I guess, the story is his dad always said, well, I wish somebody would put the Bible in order so we could read it through like a story. And what he did is that he took the Bible that you and I have here and put it in order so it reads through like a story from the beginning to the end. And I remember in high school, my parents got me one of those and said, you need to do this. This is going to be really good for you spiritually. So I thought, okay. And there was this contest kind of thing. Or, and it was an accountability thing that happened at the church that I grew up in. And, and there was, we signed up for it and said, I'm going to make a commitment to read through the entire Bible this year. And I think I did that my sophomore, junior year. And I don't know anything else that changed me more than doing that. It changed me at that point in my life to see the world totally different. More than any class that I've ever taken, more than anything else, is getting into God's Word and and making a commitment to read through it in a year. Now, I didn't make it in a year. I made it in a year and four months, but it changed me, and that was what was important. And that's what what was, you know, that's mission accomplished there. Start in the Psalms, start in the Proverbs. There's all sorts of reading plans. There's apps that you can can get for your phone that wake you up, that give you a scripture to read first thing in the morning way to start the day. There's all sorts of, uh, of audio uh, books that are out there that we can listen to them when we drive, we can listen to them when we're at home. All those different types of things, when we get God's message and we surround ourselves with it, what it does is it transforms us to be the community of the Spirit of God. And we start looking more and more like God all the time. If we decide that, that Scripture takes a back seat for us, then, as Hosea said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We cease to be the people of God. We start to be look more like a country club as a church. You know, we, we cease to be what, what God really wants us to be. But when we all get into God's Word and we do that day in, day out, boy, it changes us. And what happens is we start to understand, again, the heart of God, and we start to look like that more and more every day. And that's a commitment that I, I encourage all of us to make. Uh, to, to, to recommit to God today, and I'm doing the same thing, recommitting to God that I'm going to be in God's Word every day and I want Him to speak to me every day and transform me to look more like Him. We all do that. God's got big plans for us. Let's stand and sing together. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like to have prayers, you're welcome to come forward. And as, as well, if you'd like to have prayers, you can head to the back and there's people back there waiting to pray with you today as well. Let's stand and sing.